Marvel Cats and Kittens. It's me, Martin Smatnix, and thank you again for tuning in for another incredible episode of My Violet Tendencies. And uh, this week's episode is going to be real fun. Uh, I get to sit down with, uh, with my good friend, your good friend, everybody's good friend. Uh, his name is Effie. Um, and uh, we, get to, we get to talk recently uh, via Skype because everybody's in quarantine, and, and we talk about that. We talk about quarantine. We talk about COVID. Uh, we unintentionally talk about the COVID uh, pandemic for quite a bit, more than we actually intended to. But you know what? It's, it's, good, um, it's good talk. It's, it's stuff that I'm sure everybody else is kind of thinking the same stuff. And uh, you know, it, it felt nice to kind of get it out there and, and just kind of get it off your chest. Because if you're like me, you're probably losing your goddamn mind uh, during all this stuff. You know? But we're keeping busy. We are keeping uh, our minds sharp. Uh, I've been at home playing a lot of video games. Uh, which I normally don't do. I mean, I, I everybody plays video games, but uh, recently I've I've kind of been uh, diving down the the rabbit hole a little bit more than I have. Uh, I know I talk about uh, Red Dead Redemption Two quite a bit, but uh, recently I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. That's been really fun. Uh, myself and my girlfriend have been both been playing uh, on our Switches, and uh, my island's pretty sweet. Um, my island is called the Taco Isle. So if you're uh, friends with me on uh, the Nintendo Switch, uh, send me a friend request and we can, you can come visit my island and come. I got all the fruit. So if you, want, if you need fruit, come get it. I got a lot of it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we talk about the pandemic a lot. We talk about a lot of other fun things. Uh, Effie's kind of, uh, I guess, uh, his mindset on wrestling and, and what he wants to do in it. Uh, it's a really fun... Uh, fun talk, and uh, I hope to talk to him again soon. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, I gotta give a quick shout-out to my good pal, Glenn Smith. Uh, and I know you're probably thinking, who the heck is Glenn Smith? Well, I'll tell you who the heck Glenn Smith is. Glenn Smith is the first official patron for My Violent Tendencies. So let's, uh, let's give him a round of applause, because let's face it, um, Times are tough, and people, you know, people want to hold on their money. So, I, you know, I put together this Patreon, uh, Patreon, sorry, uh, to to, to kind of just, uh, you know, I'm making this podcast, I'm making some videos, making some other fun stuff, and figured, hey, let's see if I can make a couple bucks off of this. I'm not in desperate need for, you know, for money, but um, but it'd be nice to get uh, get something for this, you know. <laughs> so thank you, thank you so much, Glenn Smith, for being the first. Uh, First patron on here, and guess what? You're going to get a shout out every week on this show. Um, and I asked him, I asked you uh, what kind of shout out he wanted. He's like, you know what? Just uh, just go with go with your gut and go with the flow. And that's kind of what I'm doing here. Um, but if you would also like to be a uh, a patron subscriber, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slash/MyVioletPodcast, uh, and you can sign up there. We got. Um, a bunch of different uh, tier options, but uh, the very top tier, you can get yourself your very own uh, Sad Boy Purple Club shirt and uh, be sad with me. But I'm not sad. I'm actually pretty happy, um, happy as I can be during a during a pandemic. But um, anyway, I'm gonna stop rambling. Let's get into this interview with Effie. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, subscribe, share it. Uh, you know the drill. Thanks, guys. Am I, like, level okay? Am I too loud, too soft? 
No, you sound good. You sound great. Okay. All right, sick. There we I go. feel almost too well lit, but the lighting's a little too good in this room when it's daytime. I uh, was going to like put like a spotlight on, not like a spotlight, but like a yeah, of like one of those uh, makeup tutorial uh, lights. Oh yeah, that's what I, that's just what I call them. I don't know. They're just social media influencer lights. Yeah, that's what exactly are. what they are. Ring lights, bro. That's what it's called. Yes, that's the proper name, I think. It's informing me that you're recording the call, which I think is like some next level FBI bullshit. <laughs> it's just so you know, I'm not like just like, hey, Effie, like, so, um, like, take your shirt off, and then you're you just ever, like, what? You ever say bad words? You ever yeah. want to say dirty stuff? Are you recording me? What? Who is your least favorite minority? <laughs> oh my God! Pick just from like, the list. <laughs> Which one really gets on your nerves? You're going through customs and you see this minority. What are you what are you really thinking? God. It's I just like Kelly was recording me. It doesn't count. Well, now Skype ruined it and they, they told you that I was recording you, so this is all on, on the record now. Oh no. Oh no. I'm speaking from the heart. I don't care anymore. We're completely uncensored now. It's Hell the yeah. future. But yeah, like, uh, so I I did see that that they were saying that Illinois has has not like start like they've just started to flatten the curve at least a little bit, and they're saying that what they once thought, at least for like uh, hospitals and stuff, they were saying like, hey, like it's actually not we're not going to be as overwhelmed as we like initially thought we were going to be. So I'm like, that's that's great news. That's, that's awesome. A start. On the other hand, I I saw that New York is going to be starting to bury like. Un, like unclaimed bodies yeah in like oh. in like mass graves on this like island we're building mass graves and texas is like we got to get rolling y'all got to go back to the shopping cart get back out here and do some shopping churches <laughs> are open it's easter sunday let's go this week following easter sunday is going to be the most devastating time in american history you watch this will be horrific and i hate to start off with a dark note but next week you think Next week and the week after will be horrific because these people are just going to go to these mega churches. Think about how many people oh, you're in contact with. 2,000 people in a mega church. Let's say 10% have it. Maybe 1% has it, okay? That's still 20 people that have it that could spread that around. And then think about how many other people those 2,000 people are going to see. It's, it's happening everywhere. Florida churches, they're going to have people. It's, it's insane. a mess. You don't, and you don't even think like, uh, like at least before this, I never thought like, oh, if somebody's sick, like you can't like be around them and stuff like that. And you, you always knew that like, gr- like growing up and stuff, your mom would always be like, oh, get away from that person. He's sick or whatever. Um, or you don't, don't go to school. You don't want to spread the sickness around. But that was like, it didn't, it didn't seem as serious. Well, and the I, sickness wasn't going to like kill you though. Right, right, right. But, but, but I mean the idea of like, staying away from somebody because i would still yeah. like like my friend was sick from school i'd still like go over to his house after school and like hang out with them and stuff yeah but, he'd be like i feel like shit and he's coughing and you're just like whatever we're playing video games he says never there i don't care yeah but like now this is like next level where it's like you know people are like going to the grocery store for instance I, you know me and my girlfriend will go to like target and we'll see like <laughs> well like i feel like such an asshole walking in there because like <laughs> Everybody else has got gloves and fucking masks. Yeah. And I saw one person wearing like a like a gas mask. Um, and I'm just like and I'm walking around just like normal. And I'm because I'm not afraid to get sick. And I know that I'm not sick. And I know that's kind of irresponsible to, to, to be thinking that way. Um, but you're not like going out touching stuff. You're just like, look, if I'm walking to the store, 
what what is my real risk walking around? I'm away from these people, but you don't know. We have no idea. Could eat us. Yeah, and and you know what's crazy is that like there's two targets that are like close to my house, and one of them, the one that's actually closer to Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, somebody, an employee at that target tested positive for COVID, and like I was like, damn. Well, I guess we're not going back to that target for a while. Yeah, you like, can't go in there. It's crazy. It could be weeks before it's clean, forever unclean. It's unreal. Like, this, like people like don't understand. Like, and I think like specifically like indie wrestlers don't understand that like they're very well could not be any wrestling for like close to a year, oh, like yeah. at all. Oh, and to, like, not and even allowed like, oh. to touch. People are like, oh yeah, like uh, my show. Like, they're, I see people still promoting shows like in like May and June, and I'm like, yeah. Not gonna happen, bro. Not gonna happen at Not all. Not gonna happen. It's look, guys. You have to. We're gonna have to find some new hobbies for the time being until we can do this again. Because right now it is not happening, and in the near future it is not happening. Because nobody's listened so far. We have sped this up to just be a mess, and so we're not gonna get to hold hands and punch each other for a long time. And it's like, it's wild to think that because so many people that this is like this is what they do, and like. Like somebody like me, like I mean, I, I obviously I have a uh, full time job here working at Pro Wrestling Tees, and which, but that's still like connected to wrestling. And if there's no wrestling, then you know who, who who's going to buy wrestling shirts for you know there's there's no shows. They'll do wrestling. it for a few months, but like what, what, when it's eight months, ten months later, and where I'm still going like, please God, buy the shirt. What, <laughs> yeah. what are we looking at? You know what I mean? I'm a wrestler, and they're like, no, you're not. You've been sitting in your house like me for the past eight months. You've been doing the same thing. We're all on an even playing field right now, and that's a little unnerving for some people. And it's scary, too, because, like, and, I, like, I don't put too much stock in, like, going to school and, like, getting a degree and stuff like that. But, like, I like I went as far as to get my, like, associate's degree, but I never got, a, like, an actual diploma and I'm, I'm like, I'm not like qualified to do anything else. So I'm like, okay, like I've kind of just like, fo- like found like little things or, or just like yeah. odd jobs to like get by my entire life. And and now it's like, you know, if wrestling goes under, you know, knock on wood. But uh, you know, Listen, what what are we gonna do later? What are, what are we gonna do? We're gonna restructure all of society because you have millions of people in the same position of you where like it's not even wrestling or a passion project that was paying the bills, but normal people are like, there's no jobs anymore. So it's, it's probably going to end in us like having a large scale class war where we really do have to eat the rich and we've got to wake up to that. It's going to happen. Listen, I quit my job in February, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm making enough in wrestling. I'm making money. I'm doing my shit. Let's get out of here. I told him, I was like, end of April, I'm out, like, de facto. Well, we got to April, and it was like, okay, you can't really, you can't stay at your job anymore, because number one, it's making you crazy, and it's wasting so much of your time, and it's like, we got to adapt to the new economy, so I've just been jumping into everything in hustle mode to just, like, figure out what niche is going to work. I've been a game streamer right now. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm streaming games for money. That's what, what I've become. What games are you playing? So it's a lot of Animal Crossing with uh, my, yeah. my boyfriend actually playing. He'll take the lead role and I just kind of commentate. Um, but then I was playing, they made me play this horror game called Until Dawn starring Ooh. Hayden Panettiere. So I was just screaming the whole time. And <laughs> people really seemed to like that. Yeah. 
But you just we've got to we've got to shift our focus because the economy is not going to look the same ever again. And all these old billionaire, creepy, white, old politician men are going to die very rapidly and probably pretty quickly, given the cycle of the coronavirus. We've got to prepare for the new economy. It's not going to look the same. You know, I have to say that I do feel kind of guilty um, because like for the better part of the last two years, uh uh, Scrump, uh, the PWT cast yeah. host, uh, him and I have this like running joke where we'll just be like talking about like, m- like movies or whatever, like, like shitty movies that are coming out. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, why the fuck did they make that movie? Like, as like, d- I wish they would just, I wish there was no movies for a year, just no movies for a year. And then like all these fucking guys can just like, and it, that graduated to like, no movies for a year, no wrestling for a year. Just all this, cut like, it off for a year. Yeah, I was like, because then everybody like will have time to prepare and like be more creative catch and up. like write, yeah, and catch up, and uh, and then just no, all this shit happens, and I'm like, oh god, I got my wish. Like you did though. It's gonna be like we can't even film new movies right now. We're gonna run out of movies, which is crazy, right? <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, it it's. It's crazy, but it's also like kind of interesting. Like I'm interested to see like how how it's going to affect the, um, like the arts and like the entertainment business. I think those will be like the first ones that like will come back like really strong because like all these artists and all these like musicians and you know just content creators and everybody's like you know just salivating right now. They're just like, okay, well, fuck, I'm stuck in my house for you know God knows yeah. how long. Like. Like you said, you're you're streaming, you know, games and stuff. I'm doing this. Like, you know, we're all finding shit to pass our time. But like, this could be like, you know, this is our creative outlet now. But here's where I get too heady, and I always get too goddamn heady. In my mind, it's a cultural shift of how we process content and information. Because for the longest time, we were in between the internet and in between still representation of of physical theaters and buildings and places we go for this entertainment. We don't have concerts right now. We don't have new TV shows right now. We don't have movies and theaters right now. There are these things that were participation in public, in real life that we were using, and now we're not going to have any of it, but there's not a lack of any content. And we've started, you know how many more TikToks you've watched this year than you have last year? Think about that. (laughs) So many. Right. And think about all the little memes and all the little things. At the end of the day, what we're going to have is a a kind of coalition of coalition, collision, coalition, (laughs) a collision of these sort of mindsets where you have this whole new generation that's come up on minute clips and or five, six, eight hour streams. Like some of these guys are watching people stream for that long going back against this edited content that is produced and put together and has writers and a team, whether that be live performance or not, whether that be recorded or not, there's a difference between the way that we are consuming this new media that has no budget, has no director, has no sound editor, has no video coordinator. It's someone dicking around. And that's as valid of content as all this content that took a $200 million budget or took you know rehearsal space for eight months. They're now converging, and when they have the opportunity to come back, is that going to be strong enough to take people away from this new free form of entertainment where everyone has the power to be a producer and a viewer almost at the same time, identically, and there's not any barrier anymore for what is considered entertaining content? Yeah, and that and in that same like you know thought too, it's like 
it's the idea of like like a lot of these like businesses and stuff like are have their employees working from home, you know, working remotely. And when this is over, like you were saying, how like is it going to be enough to draw people back and stuff like that? Kind of the same thing. Uh, a lot of these companies are going to be like, oh shit, we were able to like do all of our stuff with like nobody here or like right. with like we you know we had the skeleton crew, but we we were able to be as um, productive as we were with like our entire staff here. So I feel like a lot of people are going to lose their jobs like after this too, because companies are just going to be like, all right, fuck it. Like we we lost a lot of money because of this, and we got to cut back, and we're able to survive on a skeleton crew. And it's pretty wild. It's it's wild. It this, is wild. This, They're yeah. learning by force because usually a company won't make a decision because they don't want to have to go into all the complications of making the adjustments when they're forced to make the adjustments. That's where it's different. And the forced adjustment, like on the side of people who've kept jobs, they've now seen that their job can be done remotely. There's no reason for them to be driving to work every day. There was no reason for them to be paying for a building. There's no reason for them to be stocking the snack room. Everyone could have just worked for their house. It worked the same. So there's that Pandora's box that's open, but then it's what jobs can we reduce? And then you start getting to a point where you go, well, if everybody's job can be done from their house and everybody's job can be done digitally, what is the need for all this consumption that was adding to that? Be it mm -hmm. eating out, be it riding in cars, be it like the whole economy shifts because of this on every single level. And we were a little blind to want to open up to it quite yet, because then we have to kind of admit some shit out loud, which is our economy was sort of held up by a bunch of make-believe and sort of like real-life kayfabe. Like the Not kayfabe cape. of you have to go to your job. The kayfabe of you need to own a car. The kayfabe of like eating out is this nice thing you go do. When all of that's pulled out from under you and you don't have any sort of pressure to use any of it, you start to realize you didn't need any of that shit. No, absolutely. And like it's it's the the idea too that like it's the shit that we we've come accustomed to. And seeing how it's quickly eliminated and, and you know, we, it's, it's all shit that was just invented and, and forced upon us like, you know, decades ago is this is, this is the, this is, these are the social norms. This is what you, yeah. these are the rules that you need to apply to. And, uh, and like you said, people are like figuring it out pretty quickly now. And, um, God, I had another thought, but I completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I think of it this way, too. So, like, let's say they say quarantine's off. Everybody's fine. We have a vaccine. We all start going back to it. When I think about, like, I have to use wrestling as an example because I know it. You know it. And it's mm -hmm. when I think about, like, a freelance room on a Friday night, like last night would have been. I don't really even think about it as like you sold tickets to fans. Because when you think about that room, it's sort of just like we're crowdfunding something together Everybody does a little bit. Everybody gets a little bit. Bring everybody in. If you, you know what, you got $20, $30, come on, drink some beers. It'll help us out. These sort of environments are going to quickly rise back up because there's so much community involvement towards it. And it doesn't feel like you're paying money into like the big corporation. But I think some of those other fields are going to have a tougher time picking back up. And I know that's being optimistic towards something that I'm involved with, but like people are chomping at the bit for it. The stuff that actually is going to be i don't know how you quantify it because people go to events and then there's events that people are very excited for and it's it's something where once we are able to go back to events it's almost like sort of the true passion the stronger passion will survive over what was 
that kayfabe of real life. Like, oh, we need to go to the movies. It's Friday night. We need to go bring the family to watch Trolls 2. It's Friday night. Well, Trolls 2 is on your TV right now for, you know, $6.99 download. You can all watch it together versus you would still need to go out and physically see this thing in person and you want to do it. The norm of, there's not a norm in America of like, we should go to the wrestling show this weekend. It's a small percentage of the population, but I think that it's a percentage of the population that will return to the forum versus I don't think as many people ever will go to the movie theater again. That's a, that's kind of, well, I, I also feel like that the, the movie like theater in, uh, industry has kind of been on a, on a very gradual decline, like over the years, like, you know, I'll go to like movies like I got opening nights for like big movies and I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna be like super packed and like it'll be like full, but like not like sold out. Like there's yeah. there's definitely a bunch of empty seats still or sometimes I'll go to a movie like a couple weeks after it comes out and it'll be like me and my girlfriend and like maybe three other couples and the rest of the theater is closed like empty. And uh so I, I and definitely with the idea of like with streaming and all this stuff, like it's all just like you know, instant gratification, you know, you want it, you have it. And yeah, and I think people, people definitely, people definitely like that. I know, I know people definitely do like going out and like making it, making an evening of it. But, uh, but I definitely think like after, well, like I saw somebody said that like AMC is like going bankrupt or something. So like, I mean, you're probably not far off. Well, I think of it like as, as it's sort of a decorative action, right. To like go to the movies. It's not a necessary action, but we've built it up in a way where it was the only way for a long time to see the movie, right? Like if it's 1994 and you want to see Jurassic Park for the first year, for the next year or more, you're going to have to walk physically into a theater. And so we're sort of the generation of convenience. And because of that, we're the generation of sort of like, we've cut the kayfabe out of almost everything because we, we were in the rental stores, so it was in the theaters for a while, but if you just waited a month or two or three months, whatever it was, you could rent it. You got to bring mm -hmm. it back though. You got to drive up there. Then we cut that shit out. We said, look, we'll send it to your house. Then we cut that shit out. Look, it's right in front of your face. And so for a generation that now has gotten to, this is in theaters the same day as it's video on demand. I have it on my iTunes. I'll pay $9. I'm laying in bed watching the movie that just came out. How do you go back to the necessity of the theater and how do they sell us on the necessity of the theater once we are in your dude if you're in your underwear eating your own snacks watching the brand new movie in your comfy ass bed or on a couch that you own there's nothing better you can be like look the screen's bigger the sound's better but like after coronavirus you think my ass wants to sit in a pleather chair i love movie theaters i see so many movies in theaters <laughs> i'm worried about sitting in that chair after this i am uh, I see, and I'm not like, I, I won't say that I'm like worried about it, but I'm definitely going to be more cautious, I guess, you know, and I've, especially now, like, I think one of the, the good things, I guess, out of, out of this is like, not that I'm like, you know, I, not that I never wash my hands, like, cause that's fucking yeah. gross, but like, but now I'm like, I'm conscious now every time, like literally every time I go outside and I come back in, I'll wash my hands now or like, you know, you know, I'll I'm at work and I'm doing something. I'll go wash my hands. I'll go, you know, move this thing. I'll go wash my hands. And it's just like this this habit now uh, because of the covid thing. But I'm like, it's not a bad that's not a bad habit to have. And no, I'm not, not like a germaphobe all. or anything. But like 
it's nice to just not like because I, I I have a beard. You have a beard. You know, I scratch yeah. and I touch my face a lot. And you have to. I do. Well, that. I used to I, have yeah. a beard. I got bored. Quarantine gets the best of us. You took it off. I took it, it off. It's pretty good though. It's fine. It'll grow back. It grows back quickly. But yeah, I know what you mean. Of like, I remember that literally that last weekend I did that GCW show in Philly, and then I flew to Arizona. And every single person was in those airport bathrooms washing their hands. And I feel like I never see that many people ever washing their hands Ugh. in bathrooms. And it was like, Especially look how airport. easy it was to shift for us. Where like literally it would have been just as easy as it is now where you're here washing your hands with soap. But just because now you think you're going to die, you immediately were able to do it. We have to put things. We're so convenient now as a society that if we're not like, you're going to die if you don't do this. Everybody's like, we're not going to do it. Say it again. We don't. It's fine. It's not necessary. Do you uh, do you buy in any, into any of the uh, conspiracies about COVID? Oh, a hundred percent. I believe all conspiracies and zero conspiracies about COVID. <laughs> you have the full spectrum. I, think I China has been trying to eradicate Uyghur Muslims, or at least bring down the number of Uyghur Muslims in their country. They've had a lot of them in prison. They've had a lot of them working as like factory slave work. They have concentration camps over there. Concentration camps of Uyghur Muslims, which you're you're thinking like Muslims, Muslim. These are Chinese people that practice the the Uyghur Muslim faith, like kind of a Mongolian blend. I think I don't want to be speaking out of turn, but I'm pretty sure, sure from what I've read. Um, so they were like, "Look, if we can if we can give them this disease, it'll at least kind of clean things out." But you can't fuck around with disease, and it got out everywhere. And then we fucked around with the disease, and it got worse. <laughs> it's and uh. I and everyone kept saying too, they're like, oh, well, uh, if you look at China, like it's starting to decline there. Like the amount Girl. of cases I'm like, I'm like, yeah, cause they're fucking burning everyone probably. That, I mean, I don't want to like, like allegedly, but think about like, if you're China, like China won't even let you talk about Taiwan. Like you can't even say Taiwan out loud. No. And so I think about that country and it's like, they don't want any shame. They don't want any bad publicity. And so when the news is calling them going, Hey guys, how are your, uh, how are your cases? They're like, Yo, no, they're great. We don't have any cases now. We had a few, had a couple, no more cases. Well, can you prove that to us? Yeah, no, uh, no more cases. No more cases. So we're in America going, how's it getting so much worse here? It's worse everywhere. There's just like certain countries are really good at staying home. Certain countries not good at staying home. We're terrible at it. Well, it's like somebody at work was talking about like Russia, like they're like, ah, oh, you don't hear anything about Russia having any problems. I'm like, yeah, you think they're going to fucking admit, like, weakness or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, they can't, like, you can't no show way. weakness. You can't be like, our people are dying of this disease. Oh. I just, this is crazy, man. My problem has been, who knew this would just turn into a coronavirus podcast? <laughs> I know. Um, but my problem has been, especially in Florida, there are a lot of elderly people. There are a lot of elderly Republicans. And it is on my last nerve at this point because... Mm -hmm. Not because of anything they believe. We can have our disagreements and belief. You're going to be dead in five years anyway. But fast forward to today, it's like an act of defiance for them. Like they're proving Trump right by going out and doing stuff. I had to go in a Home Depot to see if we could find gloves for these guys. We had to find some gloves. It was me and every 70-year-old in Tallahassee. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And I'm looking around like, you guys aren't wearing masks. You guys aren't wearing gloves. You're just out here defiant at Home Depot doing your home shopping, getting a new lamp. And it, to me, was just like, 
you either like do you think you're owning the libs right now by being out like i'm not gonna listen to that liberal media telling me this is bad we're gonna go out and do what we have to do baby <laughs> it's spring we're renovating the house and like now i'm like nervous for them driving out because they're not gonna survive it i had to like verbally backhand my grandfather to the point where he's not going to talk to me anymore and that's fine because he was sending me stuff about like look how fast the martial law martial spelled wrong mind you <laughs> look how fast the martial law takes over when they make up a disease and tell us it'll kill us they took our churches from us and i was just like grandpa shut the fuck up you're the one that's gonna die from this shut the fuck up all you have to do is stay the fuck in your house and shut the fuck up don't tell me about what the propaganda is and what shut the fuck up sit at your house or you're gonna die because if i make a joke of this i may be seriously injured if you make a joke of this old man there's no coming back you're no, down no. you're down the pipe i'm heated <laughs> hell yeah i like it um but yeah no like it's the same thing like my my my, my i feel like my parents were kind of the same way at first they were like mm, i don't know if this is like that serious but like you know they they kind of like they because of like my my niece and everything they're, they're just like you know we're not going to fuck around we don't want to like risk you know getting the baby sick or anything like that so uh but no like there's i've seen so many people just fucking de like you said just defiantly going out there and just defiant and, yeah and like and the, the i do i hate when people bring up like the the martial law martial law and i'm like if, correct me if i'm wrong because i probably am uh I feel like I think there are like laws in place that like martial law cannot like actually take place in, in the United States. Yeah, like, I think we, we have shit set up for that, like because that would just break down every fucking six months, you know? Well, this is like another big problem is like because we're the 24 hour news network people all the time, everything has to be kind of dramatic. So like w instead of just being like, hey, the police are asking us to stay in at a curfew and they are putting a ticket because it's very dangerous and we don't want people out late and we don't want people out spreading this disease. And they take that as like, the police are going to kill me if I leave my house and that's unacceptable. And they might, like, I don't know what the police are going to do, but you're they're asking for things that are like, hey guys, for two weeks, could you stay in your house? We're just, we're going to have to give you a ticket if you leave the house after this point or if you're out just messing around as just a precaution because you won't listen because we asked you nicely and so they take this as like they're stripping the freedoms and it's like right they're taking we're literally our trying not to die out here and this we found out this is the way the cure is just stay the fuck home just don't go anywhere please it's and it's it, it aggravates me so so much with the with people that say that shit like that think that like they're you're taking our freedom away and it's just just we're, we told, we're telling you nicely, like, please, like you, yeah. people are dying. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. We understand. only have to take your freedoms because you won't listen to doctors. That's what yeah. we have to do. Oh God. Well, fucking hell. The fucking, what's the guy's name? Fauci, man. The poor guy, Fauci. <sighs> Just be like, Hey, yeah, you, you don't, don't wear masks. Masks are bad. Then like fucking weeks later, it's like, uh, actually, please wear masks. Like please, God. God, please wear masks. Oh god! And then what, what I saw something yesterday about like the Surgeon General saying something about like he's like all oh, he's like all you all you blacks and and Latinos need to get your shit together. Now you're just, he's like you guys have to step it up and and stay uh, lay off the the drugs and alcohol 
to help, oh my like, God. help her this thing. And I was like, I saw somebody shared that, and they were like, we are literally living in an Onion article. Yeah. Oh, white people are drinking and doing drugs plenty. <laughs> Don't, this, yeah. is not, this is not a Latino black problem. If anything, I, like... I'm finishing up my work, like I'm in my last days, but like a lot of people don't know this, like every employee at my company, good or bad, is a black person. I love black people. I love, I, I was an African-American studies minor in college. Like there's so much more you understand about the country when you listen to it from a black person's perspective that you would never, you would never gain. So many prejudices were stuck in, so many weird ways we're privileged, besides the obvious ways. And so what I've seen for most of the black community that is around me, which is their wives, their husbands, their people that are near them, their families, is black people took this a lot more fucking seriously than white people did because they heard there's a disease, you need to be wearing masks, you need to be wearing gloves. And they were like, let's be on top of this shit. Like they are taking it seriously. I'm going out barely. And obviously this is from just my perspective and my position being in Tallahassee, but like my the people that i know that are black people are not risking going out right now they might be drinking their party a little too much at the house who knows who cares like my boyfriend drank three bottles of wine at, over the weekend and had a blast hell yeah um, nobody's judging you for that but it seems like being out in public there's a lot less bullshit from black people because they're taking it seriously versus white people are like joking about it. Like I had to go in public to the grocery store the other day and this white woman saw somebody she knew and she was like Oh my God, I didn't recognize you. Look at you. And went up and like tapped her on the shoulder. And like, they were going, isn't that crazy? The quarantine, this is wild. Who knows? And I'm just standing here getting eggs, milk, you know, butter, basics. And they're just having a good old shopping time joking about this thing. I'm in a mask and gloves, like out in public, like trying not to be a part of this. It's It just is batshit to me to see how poorly they just... White people always assume they know better than most people. That's part of their privilege. And so, like, yeah. when they're told, like, this is dangerous, they go, well, but not for me. No, it won't that happen to me. To yeah, I'm... yeah. Oh, I don't think that's worth. We have strong immune systems. The Johnsons have strong immune systems, don't you know? I, I love how your their voice for this late, this fictional woman, or real woman, I don't know, is basically just that Chrisley guy. Or Chrisley Chris oh, yeah. does best. No, Chris, is his name Chris Chrisley or is it Todd Chrisley? I, I'm not. I mean, I don't know. Oh, I think it's Todd Chrisley. Dude, look at how cool it is that like we've sort of killed celebrity pretty rapidly. How, what do you mean? Like how? So? I think that the reputation of celebrity is not worth as much that, as it was three months ago. Whether you're like a super top A-list tier star or not, I don't think people give as much of a fuck. I think we turned the give a fuck meter down 15% or more, and it'll never go past, past that again. I think we've kind of exposed it all. I think it will once like once everything ends, I think it's I think it's mostly just because everyone's kind of out of the public eye. And you're not True. you're just not think you're not thinking about those people. You're thinking about like not dying. <laughs> Yeah, but I also think that we sort of had an inflated sense about it anyway that may not fully ever come back. Like, we may respect Lisa Kudrow as an actress, but we may never ask Lisa Kudrow if we see her in public if we can get a picture. We just might not give enough of a shit anymore. We might dedicate sure. our shits to something else. Which is know? good. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. It's definitely a good thing. I'd like to move to the nod system in most things. We're like, let's say I saw John Goodman at the grocery store, right? Like, I would look at John Goodman and I would be like, 
Good to see you. And I would keep walking. And to me, he would know exactly what I was thinking, which is, John Goodman, I've seen you in a lot of shit. You did a great job. Now I got to get this butter over here. I hope you make new movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of like, how I've always I been. I met him. He was, he was I, there. I will say this. So I've never, I've never like, I've never, ever, ever like really like marked out for anybody. Like, whether it be in the in wrestling or like in in just real life, just like meeting somebody, you know, I've met some of my favorite wrestlers that I've ever, you know ever, and and just yeah. like it, it's always just like oh hey hey nice to meet you like you know it, you're just they're just people you know I've never really kind of been like afraid until uh, about a month ago just before all this shit started going down, uh, Ozzy Guillen came into my work who if you don't know who that is he he used to play Major League Baseball. Uh, he used to play for the White Sox, and then he managed the White Sox and took us to a World Series championship in 2005. And he's also a fucking insane person. Um, How old is he now? He's like in his f- maybe 50s. He's not that old. He's like he was pretty young when he was a manager, um, but he's just crazy. Uh, and and it's so funny because like that 05 White Sox team, like there were so many like weird crossovers with wrestling. Because they did a spot in like TNA where like AJ Przinsky, who was the 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 catcher for the White Sox at the time, he they came. What the, I don't remember what the fuck. It, oh, they they him and and Dale Torborg, who was the strength and conditioning coach for the White Sox, he used to be the Kiss Demon in WCW. Uh, yeah, and so they what? Yeah, so they did this whole oh thing on on Impact where they brought out. Uh, the all the X Division stars came out and they presented AJ with a, a replica X Division title belt, and they were like, "Hey, congratulations for winning the World Series!" Blah blah blah. And then Simon Diamond comes out with his diamonds in the rough, and they fuck they fuck it all up, and and which led to a match with uh, Tor- Dale Torborg and and Simon, I think. But uh, I just remember like specifically Simon Simon Diamond coming to like White Sox spring training and like talking shit. To, to AJ and AJ's just standing there with his fucking exhibition title belt like at spring training and then he's talking shit and then Ozzy Guillen runs up from behind him and just hits him with a steel chair and he's just like get off my field you piece of shit holy like, shit they were they were spring game working him yeah it was crazy so like and and but he's he's like a god here in Chicago if you're on the south side if you're a White Sox fan uh, but he was in he came into my work and he was ordering just ordering shirts like for his family or some shit like and everyone's like, that's Ozzy Guillen, that's Ozzy Guillen. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Ozzy Guillen. And I'm just like, we're all like standing in the side room, um, like around from the front, like just like, I want to go, I want to go get a picture. I want to go say hi. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm like so scared. I was like, I don't want to go say, I don't want to bother him. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, go say hi. It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, but it is. And I didn't, I don't know it why is. it was for some reason for me, because like, as like a 15 year old kid when when they won the world series that was like one of the biggest moments of my life i guess and and i was just like you know he i i don't i wouldn't necessarily call him a hero but he it was definitely like a big part of my like childhood and uh and i was just like i was so scared to go say hi and i i wanted to get a picture with him so bad but i was like i i i think about it i thought about it in the way of like if this was like a fucking wrestler at like a at the grocery store or like at the airport and shit, and I know I always hear stories how they're like these fucking fans like come over and they're fucking bothering me for pictures and shit, which not everybody's like that, but I always just assume that I'm bothering people, so uh, I literally just kind of like slinked up next to them and I'm just like, hello sir, uh, I just wanted to come over and uh, 
and say hello and you know thank you for what everything you did for the south side of chicago oh my god and, and he it was is... so he was so cool though and I'd, i just like fucked i fucked off like really fast and i was just like oh my god it was it's crazy a total personal thing though you know like it's i guess that's always going to kind of be there it's like you'll have your personal excitements i told you about the only time i've ever marked out which is a less cool person than your boy who was a baseball legend but it was when that gay porn star showed up at Casanova oh, yeah. Valentine's show. Yeah, yeah. And I, like, didn't know what to do. I was just like, <laughs> like, you know, like, you meet all these TV wrestlers and all these wild figures. And like you said, like, it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, I almost, it's never when I'm meeting a person. It's usually, like, when I'm watching them perform later. I'm like, damn, like, they did all those things. Like, how cool is this? This is great. But not, like, when they're in person mode and you're just like, hey, what's up? Like, hey, I'm Dean. And you're like, I've never heard him called Dean before. They just look tired and fucking whatever. Yeah. Where do I uh, where do I need to go? Where's the shitter? Um, yeah. But I see this little gay porn star walk up and I was just like, I've never, I felt it. I felt the spirit of it. And I was like, this is embarrassing. They're like, no famous person has ever done it except for the people I watch get fucked. <laughs> Hell Sash. yeah. And, the, and even then it's just like, you're, you're just like, I've, I've seen so much of you. Yeah. Just like not even like how do I approach this? Yeah, it's just like man, I've seen like I've seen your fucking dick. I've seen your butthole. Like this I've is crazy. I've seen you opened up. Why? Yeah. It's, good to see <laughs> it's just I, it's like could you it's 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 like can I look that person in the eye? I don't know. It is good to have an in-person perspective cuz you see these people in porn and you're like, god, dude, their dicks are giant or like those are the biggest titties I've ever seen. And you see them in person and everyone's 5'2". If you're in porn, you're 5'2". Everyone. Yeah. I don't know. They're all very small. They're miniature people. And so their dicks look massive, but they're like five, six. Like it's, it's a very strange <laughs> sutra. <laughs> Big dick popping. I saw that thing. Yeah. Not, I'm not, so, in, not in full, but enough. I made a joke on Twitter last night because we, so since last night was supposed to be the freelance show, yeah. uh, but obviously it didn't happen. So in, uh, we were looking for something to air in the time slot. So I found um, like orig the original concept for freelance was going to be literally beyond wrestling, how, how beyond originally, originally was. Because I, I had said, and I had talked to Drew about it too. I was like, hey, like you guys do this cool thing with no fans um, out in the East Coast. But like I know a lot of guys from the Midwest that like either can't or like don't want to go that far to do that. I was like, would you be cool if I did something similar in Chicago? And then like, I was like, I could even this like I could even send you the footage and you could put it up on your YouTube. I don't care. Um, so we did one show like that with no fans, and then we just never did anything with the footage. <laughs> I made a music video for it, but then like I never released the full matches. And so we, I found that on my hard drive, and so that was from like July of 2013. So that predates freelance by a year, and. We edited it. We or I, I should say I didn't edit it. Uh, Robles did from Smart Mark Video. He's yeah. great. Uh, he edited it. Uh, Sterling did commentary. Uh, he did commentary over it now, and uh, we aired it live last night. And I live tweeted it from the freelance account, and because uh, I was just like, man, this show's gonna be fucking bad. So I was just like, I'm gonna dick. I'm, I'm just like, I'm gonna drink and I'm gonna dick around and just kind of make myself Stream laugh. It. Watch it through. So. Uh, Kenny Suja came out there and he was wrestling uh, this kid, uh, Alex Romero. 
and I just I made a joke that I, I I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that laughed at it, but I was like, I was like, man, uh, okay, so I have to a little bit of backstory on this because I and this is probably why nobody laughed, but <laughs> so we in high school we we nicknamed uh, Kenny Sutra's dick the dragon for some reason. I don't know why. I don't remember exactly why, but that was it. And everybody would just would always be like, "Oh shit, here comes the dragon!" Like just fucking around to the point where he has a dragon tattoo on the on his back now because of that. That's uh, why. That's yes, incredible. That is why the dragon tattoo is there. Um, but so on on Twitter, I go, I'm like, man, I was like, Alex 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 Romero, better watch out because Kenny Sutra might make like Cisco and unleash the dragon. And uh, and I'm pretty sure like nobody nobody got the reference because I I think that was the name of Cisco's like debut album. Yeah, it was. And it was. Uh, I laughed way too hard. My girlfriend was just like, uh, she, she didn't get it. And then I explained it to her, and she was just like, okay. I'm like, damn. I thought it was funny. <laughs> okay. Big dragon dick. Good Fuck for it. you, Kenny Sutra. I love making myself laugh. That's listen. If you're not making yourself laugh, who gives a shit? It's not funny then. You got to make yourself laugh with everything. Okay, let's let's dive into some of these fucking questions. Yeah, right? let's structure this thing a little bit, right? After yeah. after the deep dive into the corona sadness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had some um, good takes in there though. I think so. I think that was very uh there was a lot of shit that I felt like we I there was a lot of shit that I felt like I needed to just like get out, you know. Yeah, yeah, we all have to get it out of ourselves because we're all stuck here just like what do we do? Um, let's see. I saw some pretty good questions in there though. There was some pretty good ones. Uh, the first one we got here is from Connor Povey, uh, all the way from the UK. Wow. Um, I, he says, as I've done some artwork for me, for you, for me, he's, he means, uh, which other wrestlers would you like me to draw from next? And then he hmm. says, Kios Castro, Daniel Macabe, Ricky Shane Page, anyone else from freelance? And I guess that would mean also you as well. Um, but yeah, draw everyone. I think draw Effie. Draw Effie. Yeah, yeah. Also, draw Ricky Shane Page because Ricky Shane Page had that shirt come out with the 440 guys on it. And all the 440 guys looked super cool. But whoever drew Ricky Shane Page on that t-shirt does not fucking like Ricky Shane Page. Because it made him look like this. Oh, man. Which he makes that face sometimes, but it was like so like... It was just like... Was like mm. Yeah, it was just like the dweebiest looking little thing. Which like, <laughs> when he does it, he looks tough. So draw Ricky Shane Page and make sure he looks tough. He's a tough motherfucker. He's crazy. Hell yeah. Draw draw Ricky. Draw everybody. Draw them all. Draw, draw Mikey. Mikey McFennigan. Oh, yeah. You'll have a great time That's, drawing his hair. That is a beautiful drawing to do. And his just face. Like, he has such fun features that caricature themselves almost. He's, good. He's very animated. Yes. <laughs> Lucky, too. All of Derek Lucky, Corbin. Yeah. All those, all those Take It Home records, they know how to put on some facials for the people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, I was going to say it like freezing, but that's cool. Oh. Uh, Joe Rania, who uh, is one of my coworkers here at Pro Wrestling Tees, he says, honestly, Effie is one of my favorite wrestlers and, is, and his star has been rising for the last couple of years. And with the cancellation of events, how is he coping slash planning for after the pandemic? I generally feel for anyone having the time off, but for wrestlers like like yourself, it must be hard. Also, my brother wants to marry Effie, so if you could put in a good word, ha ha ha. 
Um, okay, first, me and AJ are about to rush up to the courthouse to get those documents finalized. Woo! As a marriage of love and convenience. Hell yeah. Um, so here's the deal. And I've like I've thought long and hard about this because this is serious. So I think you know what goes into a show, right? Like there's money you spend before you even ever get to the show. Mm-hmm. A lot, usually. And there's you can choose your forms of advertising. What I'm getting at is like for my Effie's Big Gay Brunch, I'm out. I was out a lot of money. And I was out a lot of potential money because that week and string of shows and merchandising would have been a good chunk in my pocket. Yeah. And I had other shows going on. Like I was booked a lot, a lot of bookings, wrestling, a lot of money coming in from wrestling, so much so that I quit my job. And not one time of being quarantined have I felt, and maybe it's just because I've accepted it, but I haven't felt like any sort of negative pressure on myself. I felt sad. I felt disappointed that these things can't happen, but I haven't taken anything out negatively on me, like where I'm like, well, fuck wrestling. Well, fuck this. Well, this is so horrible. Right now, it just feels like everything's on pause and you have to go, okay, no one can do anything right now. We can make videos. We can make a little content. We can do that. We're not wrestling. We, most of us don't have our own ring to go to. Some of us can find a ring to go to. Um, most of us are using this time to do home exercises if we want. Some of us are just sitting around. To me, my body hasn't felt this good in years. Absolutely. My car hasn't been driven so little in years. If we didn't force this sort of step back on ourselves, we never would have done it. And we all just would have kept running ourselves into the ground until we were physically dead. Having this forced moment, yeah, there's a lot of shit that didn't get to happen that was so fucking cool. Tom Waller was going to fight me in the basement of the Haunted Cuban Club Friday night (laughs) with Marcus Crane watching on. That's nuts, right? We have this moment where we are all getting a little rest. We're all getting a little break. We're all getting a little peel back. And yeah, like while you're contained, you're going, oh, I'm limited. I'm stuck in my house. But the fact is, we needed a little vacation as a society from all this expectation and all this nonstop. And maybe that's not what your case was, people out there listening. But we didn't even know we needed it. I wouldn't have like, I'd be like, yeah, I'm tired, but let's fucking go. I'm ready. Let's do the next yeah, thing. What's yeah. the next thing? Let's go. Forcing myself here has been, yeah, sad, disappointing, but has been so refreshing for my physical body and spiritually for my brain of not just like whatever fuck process it go what's the next thing let's just do it let's i've been able to step back and it feels so good because i feel like once things happen again whenever that may be i'm going to be so ready and i'm going to know my game plan and i'm not going to be rushing my brain to just like here's the next thing because it does it feels like for years and years and years we've sort of just been like Go, 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 take it. If you have the time to take it, take it, take it, take it. Go, go, go. We've never had that moment of just like, back up, think about it for a second, take a nap, lay on your couch, catch up on a show, don't travel. I think it's going to add years to people's careers. Definitely going to add years. I hope so. And I think like, like I said with the celebrity thing a little bit, it sort of sets a, a, a block. Where, like, right now, people still have some of their clout, and that's cool. But once wrestling starts back up, I think there's some people we're not going to see again, good or bad. I think there's some people who are going to not go as hard because they're in a different place in their life. Some people are going to approach the business differently. And all of that's okay, but it sets a playing field for, like, 
everyone to sort of find their own shine again. It's a new economy. Like how, what are you doing with this to benefit yourself? And if that means not doing any of it, okay. But if that means figuring out a new yoga routine, trying new things, changing your mood style, changing your appearance, changing how you think wrestling should be, all of that is going to be acceptable and it's all going to be on an even playing field. The WWE, no matter if they're on Fox News, no matter if they're on USA Network, right now they're filming in front of no one. There's no one there. Their shows look worse than a championship wrestling from Hollywood show where you'd say, oh, there's only 300 people there or whatever in the audience, and they only have this many people watching. Their show looks a hell of a lot better right now than the WWE's. The playing field is even. Interesting. I I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, no, you're kind of right. It's just as easy for me to turn on IWTV right now as it is for me to turn on the WWE Network if I know about it, right? The problem is people have to know about it. But when you're a wrestling fan and all of this is there, it's going to be very hard for the WWE to maintain that they are so much head and shoulders above everyone else when their product is just as accessible and weird new stuff might take over. It might be a whole different world when we're back in this battle. It's going to be, yeah, definitely weird and maybe exciting. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm like, I hate being all smiles about this because people are expecting me to be so sad. I wanted my show to happen. It will eventually. I wanted all those bookings to happen. They will eventually. But right now it's like, yo, what a cultural, wonderful reset. How do we use it positively? How do we use it to like, let's keep ratting out some of the bullshit that was taking over, keep ratting out some of this ultra carny bullshit that's in there and start focusing on like, What's what do we want wrestling to be? It can it can be what we want it to be. We can do it. And now we've got this time where like we're sort of floating the dead fish. Okay, let's see what the water looks like when it unfreezes after this winter. Everything's paused and frozen. Let's see what it looks like when it when we finally hit spring. That's a good way of looking at it. I like that. Uh, Sean Martin, uh, one of the Freelance Wrestling Academy students. He asks, uh, what is your goals in wrestling? Do you want to be in a specific promotion or reach a certain level? And also, how did Effie come to be? Did, did you envision yourself as anything different? Uh, kind of a lot to unload there. but Yeah, the- it is, it's a lot to unload, but that's okay. And these are great questions. Um, to me, the beauty of wrestling is that, like, I see, I'm, I'm sort of, not I'm not against anything being filmed, but I don't wrestle for film. To me, like wrestling is a live experience. And I think with a lot of people, it's it's something they go back and they tape study and they watch that way. And that's fine. And I think that's good. But like personally for me, wrestling is a live experience. Wrestling is for that live crowd. We benefit from the people watching at home, but I also hope they're watching live because there's sort of that unpredictability to everything. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for all the other stuff. But we need we need that crowd there. We need the energy there. I forgot what I was even saying. What is the question again? This is dense. <laughs> there was like there was three. I think three questions in there. So the first one was like, what were what are your goals in wrestling? What are my goals in wrestling? Okay, my goal is to prove that you can be um, a, a mainstream staple of entertainment at a global level without ever having to uh, necessarily sign a contract. Okay. I think instead of using and this is so like there's levels in wrestling, right? There's kayfabe levels in wrestling of like who you're working for and who your who your who your company is. Your Ring of Honors are a level. Your AEWs are a level. Your WWEs are a level. Your smaller MLWs are a level. Everything's a level. And 
to me, people sign to places for the longest time because that is going to give them more clout. It's more clout to be an NXT superstar than it is to work in a in a you know regular theater show or something. It's more clout to be a Ring of Honor champion than it is to just be the champion of a local promotion. And I don't think that's true because I think now, and this is even before the coronavirus stuff, we were sort of at a place where I think companies were starting to sign guys to gain their clout. It's very hard for these companies to get the right clout, and so they have to sign people. And the problem with WWE is they sign these people, they gain their clout because of it, and then once they put the WWE hand on them, sometimes they lose a bit of that steam and that heat, and both sides lose. Yeah, I don't think these companies, any of these companies, no matter how well they're performing or how under they're performing, have enough clout to be the reason you are signing somewhere. I think that we can take this easy barrier of entry now in the world of entertainment where TikTok stars are showing up on Dr. Phil and YouTube stars are on uh, uh, Late Night with Stephen Colbert and all these sort of things that would have used to have to go through the channels of television and producers and agents. It's now sort of being found on its own because of this internet. You don't need to sign to a company anymore to get to that level. They're giving you the platform. They're taking your clout. You don't need to do it anymore to get to that level, I don't think. And my whole career is, I hope, just an experiment to prove that. And we're going into weird avenues now and figuring out new ways, especially since we're a little handicapped now. I almost work better within a handicap, which is like the handicap now is we're quarantined. We can't do anything. How do we produce there? I thrive when I've got a little. That's the, the structure I want is here's what you're not allowed to do. And then I go, all right, well, fuck it. Here's what I'm going to do. And we see how we can break around that. I just want to prove that there's a different way of, go, of going about it because the wrestler is the reason most of these shows happen. You can't have the shows without the wrestler. You need the cameras. You need the crews. You need everything else there. But at the minimum, to have a wrestling show, you have to have two wrestlers and you have to have a referee. You don't have to have an HD camera. You don't have to have a stage lighting specialist. You don't have to have fireworks. You don't have to have... Um, a guest performance you have to have the basics there and I think after we go away from this the the power that companies have had over guys to sort of say like you're going to do what we say because we pay the best and because we're the only chance you have to get on TV once people see that that's thrown out the window the safety of these companies is not going to look as enticing as it once did three or four years ago Wow, I rambled there but I feel strongly about these things no that's a very good that's a very good answer but I, I and that same, or I should say, as devil's advocate uh, with that, do you think that that could potentially hurt the business in a way that like, not meant, people may not be able to make as much money as they once were? No, because here's what I want to do. Like My ultimate goal in this is to get more people to come watch wrestling. I think what we've done problematically in the past is advertise to wrestling fans. Think about how many shows you see. It's like, they got 100 retweets. And then you look at the show after it happens, and there's like 40 people there. And of the 40 people there, 20 of them are moms. And of the 20 moms, the other 10 people are kids. Like, is who we're advertising to who's actually showing up is always my question. Mm -hmm. And my second question is, do people even know this is happening? It makes sense to pay to bring in Effie if you're going to let people know that Effie is going to be there and they have the opportunity to know that. If I appeared on a Stephen Colbert type show, a late night type show, what would I be promoting the next week? It would be the wrestling show that I'm going to. What would be my hope? 
that I would be bringing more people to the wrestling show. I want to be able to flip it versus we have to get people to come here so I get seen so I can get on television to we're going to use these other mediums that haven't necessarily been used by wrestlers before they've been at this level to turn it back and bring it back to wrestling. Because I physically think if you look at the population as a total, this much of the population is wrestling fans. And then yep. this much of the population that's even smaller than what I had this much are actually watching wrestling. If you ask me if you're a wrestling fan, they probably haven't watched wrestling in the last month for the most part, if you really look at the numbers. So the goal is this chunk over here that doesn't even know this is happening. They don't know about Tanahashi. They don't give a shit about RKO 2007. They don't give <laughs> a fuck that edge retired. They don't give a shit about tiger mask or tiger mask five that if they came to a physical show, would be like, this shit is awesome. If yeah. they came to a live show, they'd be like, what the fuck am I looking at? The magic wouldn't be lost on them. It's very easy to point out on TV where the camera angle, well, he had a camera angle there. He slapped his leg there. But when you're right there and it's in your face, you're not trying to tear it down. You're just going, how do I take in this much information as once? So the goal isn't to bring more people that are wrestling fans in the door necessarily. It's to use these people who are watching these other mediums, who are watching TikToks, who are watching nightly news, who are watching YouTube, and show them that this is a thing going on down the street from them. We're, we're taking people that are not wrestling fans at all, and I don't even give a shit if they're coming to see me because they want to see me wrestle, or if they just want to come look at me and see the spectacle. We're getting mm -hmm. them in the building because that's how the business grows. Not by like, okay, well, there's, there's 2,000 wrestling fans in Chicago. How do we make sure we get everyone in here? No, you go, there's, there's 500,000 people in this square area where we're going to run our show over here how do we let everybody know that there's something for them at this show snacks might be hot girls might be cool action might be flips might be a dude who's seven feet tall whatever it is the old freak show conversation the old carny conversation of whatever gets them through the door we throw out all of our fucking bullshit beliefs about what wrestling is and what wrestling should truly be and we say fuck that stuff Let's bring them in, and then we'll use the wrestling knowledge and show them what it really is. Hey. <laughs> AJ no, just walked in with cranberry. Ooh, cranberry. Like, cranberry. I think there's something to be said about, like, the ultra, this is what wrestling is fan, ruining the business more than us even discussing kayfabe. Because when you're holding things to the standard of like, this is what wrestling's for, you don't react to that person that way. That's not how you do that. And throwing them out to say, fuck you, you're too wild about this shit. Look at these people. They're going, oh my God, is he flying through the air? And I'm not saying we dumb the product down. I'm saying we at least stop holding it to such a fucking like, everything has to be a star rating. Everything has to be a technical masterclass. Everything has to be perfection versus, did you guys have fun? Yeah. I'm always, that's what I want. Yo, how was it? Did you guys have fun? Fuck yeah, that shit was so fun. I had a great time. I want that person versus like, I don't know if that was technically a Northern Lights buster. That's the conversation I need to be having with a wrestler, not the dude who's paying to watch me. I think uh, I think you might have you might have unhooked that leg incorrectly on the certain part. That scientific <laughs> shit is out the door for me. Yeah, I feel like that, I mean, that's always been like my my driving force as, as far as like how I've, I've tried to like promote freelance and uh, hello. Okay. I don't think he can <laughs> he hear, can't hear you. He can't hear you. <laughs> um, uh, it's been, it's been my driving force as, as the way I promoted it because like, I, and, and not that I, I don't put stock in, you know, the, the streaming or like stuff like that uh, because it's, it's awesome. IWTV is, is great and it's, it's 
brought our product to so many more eyes and everything like that. And it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's probably the best thing that's happened for independent wrestling in the last decade. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. But I, I've always said like, I'm like, that's cool. Like I've never, I, I never really cared about making DVDs and stuff like we did for a while, but I'm like, my focus has always been our live crowd. I was like, cause a, those are the people that are coming and physically like spending money to come here. But also, like you said, like I've always just really wanted like this fun, like party environment as opposed to like, you know, like we I, I feel like we don't we don't get necessarily get the, the most love on 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 social media or anything like that. Like I don't people don't necessarily tout freelance as being like the, the one of the top wrestling companies in the world. Yeah, but, but it's it is but, though, I, man. but I feel like once you're there and like wrestlers, like when they're there, they're like, dude, this place is this is so much this fun. This crowd is the yeah. crowd is weird. Like it's not it's not freelance. Freelance is whatever. Like freelance, if if I took the show and did it somewhere else, it'd probably just be whatever. But like it's the crowd and our crowd in Chicago. It that is what makes the show unique, and that's what makes it. But like, that's fun to view in on the stream, though. That's fun to tune into. It's yeah. more fun to watch a rowdy crowd react to stuff than like you're just watching everybody hanging out here. And it's what a great job. Oh. They want to feel that there's the energy in the room and it makes everything bigger. So like the streaming plays off the live experience itself. And you've created that. Yeah, man. Um, let's see. I don't know if this is a question. So Xavier, Xavier asks, he, uh, he's a pro wrestling shoots guy. He's a guy, he helps out at the, at the freelance events, helping, uh, shoot promos and, uh, and additional footage and stuff. Uh, check him out. Pro wrestling shoots on, on pro all wrestling media. shoots. Uh, he says, Effie is the only person who has ever got me to chant daddy as loud as I can for him. Such a captivating, uh, uh, captivating, car- uh, charisma. And glad that I learned about him at Freelance. I loved his feud with Eye Candy Elliot. Oh, who didn't? What a what a feud with Eye Candy. I, uh, you know, he's been very outspoken lately about a lot of things. So I'm glad he's finding his his voice again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope he'll I hope he'll come finish the feud with me one last time before he hangs it up for good. I hope so too. I, I think hope- I could convince him. <laughs> you better. <laughs> the only one that can. We'll we'll go in and uh, ask him ask him nicely. You have to ask him nicely to make him put those shiny trunks back on. Just ambush him and like <laughs> just group group video call and be like, hey, uh, uh, I, I must call him Eddie. But no, nah, he's Eddie on Facebook now. Fuck him. Yeah, he's Eddie on Facebook now. <laughs> um, I think there was a lot of like under the radar stuff that people didn't really notice until later that we were doing that like is going to be used down the line. Um, just the way we were like missing each other's FaceTimes and like bullshitting each other's messages, leaving each other on red and and going publicly about that was like not a normal thing. We weren't confirming anything. I actually told him, so here's a little insight on this because that's the people who listen to this will be the ones who get the insight. Mm-hmm. I said, the goal of this storyline is that we have a secret. The secret that everyone out there thinks is that we fucked, but that's not the secret. I'm treating this like we killed somebody and you're trying to go to the police about it. And I know it will fuck both of us if you do it, but your head's in the right place to do the right thing. That was the way we looked at this feud, but we treated it like there was something oddly romantic there or weird, or he didn't know how to process his feelings. But between me and him, it was sort of like, 
are you going to fucking rat me out because you did this thing? Because we did this thing and both of our hands are dirty. But we played the whole thing up like this really intense, crazy love story. where like, we had the fan snap pics at the brunch. We had people see us around town. Because, like, me and Eddie would hang out before the shows. I was staying with Eddie. We were coming up with this storyline, making this shit happen. And being able to, like, sort of throw these little tinges in and use this new technology and use social media in this way so that, like, not everybody even really noticed was very cool. And I think it was sort of a new little play on kayfabe that like we both got to be a little more creative than usual, making it making it something that if you wanted more to the story, more to the story, you could go get more to the story. If you just saw it at face level, it was just as entertaining. Yeah. So many people like came up to me and were just like, this stuff on online with them is so good. And I think they thought that like I came up with the idea and I was just like, that's all them. Like they're <laughs> they they I, I'm not nearly as creative as they, as they are. And like that, that was, it was so entertaining to just see it happen because it was, it was funny. It was funny, but it was also like, you were like, okay, what are they going to, what's going to happen next? Like yeah. you wanted to see what was going to happen. And like, Tell like you said, for the people that, that, that got it and that saw it and they knew like they, I think they got more out of, out of the, the matches. No, yeah, it was, kind, a- it's kind of like, re, uh, it's kind of like watching a, a movie with the the director commentary on a little bit. You know, you, you got yes. you get this little extra information. Or um, you know, reading The Hobbit before you saw Lord of the Rings. You know, it yes, was that depth of detail. Uh, Dennis Day Jr. asks, uh, "Where do you see yourself in five years?" Um, my goal. I just said I wouldn't sign with anybody. Here's my goal. My goal is to. Uh, for the most part, remain independent. But I also think that my professional background, my training in public relations, my training and job type, working with bands, working with music, working on sort of touring and the logistics of that, my my experience running businesses over the last few years, I see myself sort of maintaining a double identity. And I want to remain an independent artist who does everything. But I wouldn't mind being sort of a ghost hand where I get enough credit in my in my own Effie stuff to where I would like to sign a hidden contract somewhere, whether that be with TV or whether that be somewhere else or whether that be with a wrestling company to sort of help guide some things from a perspective of PR that I don't think a lot of them have and they mm-hmm. don't think the way I think, but I don't want the credit for it. Like I would love to be involved in more stuff that way without anyone ever knowing it was me who did it. You know, like, have you ever looked up the like, producers on a segment for something or like producers or directors on a show and you look it up and you're like oh my god they did this too and they did that oh my god i don't even want that i want like i just want to know in my head that like i help some people fix some things and approach things better and make money that way but also just like remain that independent version of myself to where i don't have to worry about that being tainted to provide for myself and i can sort of keep a hidden cloak in helping someone else that's pretty interesting. I think, and I think that's something that you're definitely suited for because you're very, you're, you, like you said, you think you think a little bit differently than some people. Like some sometimes, like having just having normal conversations with you, like so, you'll say some shit sometimes, and I'll be like, oh shit, like that. I never really thought of it that way. Like, <laughs> that's great. Like no, it's it's great though because like, you kind of like you uh, you force at least for for me personally, you force me to kind of like think differently, and I think that that's that's important. Like especially in today's like climate is just like yeah to just think differently because you know my rule usually is uh somebody's got to say it out loud and usually it's like sometimes it's offensive stuff but sometimes it's just like 
yo, is anybody else thinking this? Because I've had too many chances where like earlier in my life where like I thought something and I've not said anything. And then like later I was like, did you guys not realize that same thing? And so now I'm just like, I just have to speak everything I think because I want to make sure everybody's, are we seeing the same things? Are we, it's almost like a paranoia of like, are we, is everybody seeing the same? Are you seeing that? And they're like, no, I wasn't even looking at that. Well, look at that. Oh, okay. I want to, I want to have that sort of connection where I don't feel like anything I'm thinking is just my own. Like we just have to constantly communicate everything to each other. Yeah. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, Boogie Dogs, sponsor of the freelance wrestling. If you've if you've ever Delicious. been to a freelance show or if you live in Chicago, check out Boogie Dogs uh, on sh- the Schmeal app. S H M E A L. Uh, you can order Boogie Dogs and uh, you, yeah, you can get them at home. I'll be very or, or... happy when I see that crowded mass of people around the Boogie Dogs <laughs> after the freelance show again. And that's legally allowed to happen. I'm, yes. I'm ready for it. Le- legal Boogie Dogs, because I've had. Had some illegal boogie dogs lately. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> he said, "If you could make any wrestler kiss your belly button, who would it be?" <laughs> if, if I could make any wrestler kiss my belly button, who would it be? Okay, I think. Oh, this is so weird. This is such a <laughs> weird question. Um, and the, I think the oh, key word is make make them. Yeah, that means they have to. So it would be Bill Goldberg. (laughs) (laughs) Bill Goldberg has to kiss my little tum tums. Come give me a little tum tum kiss, Bill. God, that (laughs) just skinny, like decrepit looking Goldberg. I should say skinny, but like, I mean, I I said that to somebody. I was like, man, did you see him at Mania? He was so skinny. And they're like, he's still huge. And I'm like, yeah, he's just appreciated. Somewhat. He, just looks, he just looks like he got off, off the couch and was just like, yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> you going to dye that beard? Hell no. Yeah. I don't give a shit. They're paying me. Yeah. I'm surprised he even showed up. Uh, he also asks, uh, what is the most Florida thing you've ever witnessed? Holy shit. The most Florida thing I've ever witnessed? I've told this story before, but I feel like there's no time I shouldn't tell it. Where <laughs> I walked into a travel stop in Ocala, Florida. And I was wearing a Make America Gay Again hat and running leggings that were making my ass look good. I got an energy drink. I put it on the counter. And this guy who had all this white, all these white power tattoos, had Confederate patches, like 13, 1488, like all the crazy white power, not swastikas and shit. He goes, hey. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to fight this dude to travel stop this fucking white supremacist because he knows I'm a homosexual. And he goes, hey, are you Effie? And I was like, yes. And he was like, oh, shit, man. We saw you wrestling down there at Cocoa Beach. Let's get a picture together. And I took a picture with this white supremacist biker bro (laughs) in the travel stop with my Make America Gay Again hat on and my little tights. And we moved on. And my friend Luis was with me. And Luis is... He's Mexican. He has a lot of tattoos. He's a power lifter. So like, he's a tough ass looking dude. I was happy he was there with me, but Mm -hmm. we both walked out of there and he was like, how the fuck did we, me and you, the Mexican with face tattoos, who is a power lifter, who looks crazy. The gay guy with a giant gay hat wearing tights, just interact (laughs) with the white supremacists. And he was just like, yo bro, big fan. What? It just shows they have no logic in their belief and they just want to be a part of a club and they picked a really shitty racist one to be a part of. 
Yeah, that and I mean, wrestling just brings everyone together. That's true. <laughs> That's the positive Please spin. Remove on that. the swastika. God. Oh. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I'm looking at Twitter now. Oh, yeah. uh, Dwayne James uh, at kfabe and in the kfabe and then the letter n private. Uh, he goes. I want to know where did he find that beautiful boyfriend of his? Um, we actually were living in the same town. We both went to the University of South Carolina, and then uh, we sort of satellited each other for a while. And then it wasn't until after I moved to Florida that we actually met. And then I was like, "Will you, will you be my little lesbian and move to Florida with me after dating for three months?" And he was like, "Sure, this isn't a bad idea at all." And now four years later. He's still tolerating me, and it's great. That's in, that's incredible. I he love puts that. up with a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, like I'm on the road all the time, and it's sort of like I'm not anymore, and so I'm probably making him crazy. But um, <laughs> he puts up with enough, you know. And it's like sometimes when I'm out super late Friday, Saturday, it's like we're we're talking on the phone, and he's uh, just wishing I was home, and I'll be home eventually, and I'm home now. He's yeah. very patient. <laughs> Um, uh, Byron Black, uh, Byron. Byron, at Byron Black six 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 on Twitter. All right, um, dark. He's, he's uh, he says, "What are your gentlemen's thoughts on the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match? Also, did the Boneyard match swindle Effie's opinion on the Undertaker?" All right, good. I'm glad we're getting this because people need to hear about this. So we're going to start with the Firefly Funhouse match. The Firefly Firefly Funhouse match was. Um, an almost perfect piece of art, but it had very little to do with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt created this world, this Firefly Funhouse, but what it was technically used for was for John Cena to have a career retrospective that wouldn't have been possible without the previous 20 to 30 years of wrestling history actually happening. It was a summation around a character being looked at through a different lens, but it wasn't a match and it was a very wonderful segment I think if we look at wrestling, and we'll get to the Boneyard match in a minute, if we look at that as actually a wrestling match, that's where we lose all concept of it. It was a character performance piece. Oh, it was yeah. a cool TV show, and it was something that isn't possible. You couldn't do the Firefly Funhouse match with any other person on that roster besides maybe a Triple H or a Randy Orton to that level of superstardom. And really that even doesn't make as much sense because John Cena, nobody's done as many make-a-wishes as him. Nobody mm-hmm. stayed as good for as long as him. Being able to recap those stories and reframe them in a more adult sense is something that took the, the 15, 20 years of his career, that took 30, 40 years of wrestling history, that took all this reference and took it down into 15 minutes. So it's not a match, but it's awesome. Second, the Boneyard match. Do I think wrestling needs more Boneyard matches? Yes. But first, <laughs> but first do I think wrestling needs to admit that that was basically a sloppy action movie and that John Moxley made a better one in 12 rounds three. Yeah. Let's not act like this is wrestling is still wrestling when it's in a ring every, Oh yeah. Everything's professional wrestling. It is. But when it's in a ring, it's in ropes. That's actually live professional wrestling. These vignette matches are cool and are awesome, but need to be used in a way to where they're elevating both characters. Like I don't just need to see, two cruiserweights having a fight in a parking lot now with cool angles and lights, it doesn't make as much sense. I, maybe I do. <laughs> I'm just thinking about person. that. 
but not everything needs that. Right. The Undertaker needs that, you know. Definitely. Sylvester Stallone can still be in movies, not because Sylvester Stallone is well, he is pumped with HGH and on a lot of roids, but because they can edit. And this is what the Undertaker got. When the Undertaker can't edit now, he's shit. He's garbage. When he can edit, when they can build it around him, when they can light him, when they can put music on him, when they can direct him, he is perfect. Mm -hmm. And they understand that because they're directing a character. But no, my problem with The Undertaker is that he continues and continues and continues, no matter how embarrassing it is. And then he says things like, I hope I don't become a parody of myself. He became a parody of himself at Survivor Series 2012. And maybe it happened before then, but I think that was the year. Or was it 2013? Doesn't matter. Whatever year it was where him and Kane fought the Wyatt, uh, the Wyatt family. It might have been 2013. There was that terrorist attack recently. That motherfucker literally ran in, did the top five spots like he was the honky-tonk man <laughs> booked in a VFW, and then walked on out with some pyro. That wasn't – that's not a real wrestler. You want to talk about being a real wrestler. Do the work. Do the jobs. If you can't, same thing I tell to the old WCW job guys that want to be on all the shows. If you can't do the work, Buff Bagwell, you can't be on the show. If you can't do the work, The Undertaker, you can't be on the show. And for him to be touted as this giant ring general who is supposedly so respected and so smart and bring the wrestler's court to him, to continue playing make-believe as a demon who gurgles uh, this far <laughs> along, it's like you can't hold one standard to everybody else and then be like, but it's okay because it's me that I'm a goofy fucking parody of myself who only shows up once a year when the, the Saudis give me a million dollars. It's yeah. You won't convince me of The Undertaker. It was a great, fun, cool match segment thing, but it doesn't validate The Undertaker being an active professional wrestler, and it doesn't validate action movies being wrestling now. No, I agree. Uh, I think uh, go, uh, touching back on the fu the Funhouse match really quick, uh, I think that was it was really interesting that it was like also one of the f very few times that like WWE like actively openly admits like that they were wrong about shit or that they like like when they were they were bringing up like the wrestlemania 30 yeah and, like i always I, I, and, that, and me personally as a fan like i always said like man like that mania would be perfect if like that match would have been flipped like if if why it would have gone over on cena like i feel like that like and, and it did it basically halted his momentum completely like he was fucking so hot at the time and like yeah they were just afraid like it wouldn't it would not have hurt cena at all to lose that match and even like lose that match and then like maybe get it get his win back at, uh, at SummerSlam or some shit but yeah or even extreme rules you know turn it up yeah. turn it up a notch big guy but uh but the Boneyard match I thought was I was like it started I was like oh man as soon as AJ popped out of that fucking casket I was like yeah. oh yeah this yeah is <sighs> it was a very I, smart move I'm a lover of like of bad like bad movies like bad like like i love like bad action movies bad horror movies like there it's like a, a guilty pleasure of mine to like sit and watch that shit um but like dude i was dying at like takers like when the all the like the druid guys like surrounded him and he's just like are we gonna do this or what and then he just starts throwing punches and like one punch knockouts on everyone everyone like, hell yeah the dead man is alive baby it was great i i personally enjoyed both of them Oh, yeah, I did. I just I like this. It's just like the fair warning to everyone of like, don't think that this is here's the reasons this may not work in the way you intend, but do your best. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely can. I, I mean, I know that they're going to probably continue to do more of these, uh, hopefully not as frequently 
uh, as they did. Probably... You watch the Gargano one? I haven't. I, I heard that that it was kind of like that. It was a. Uh, it was different. I tuned I'm... in because I heard it was a little too horny. It was a little too horny. Somebody said it was. It sounded like like porn. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I I I did like them both, and I can definitely see more of this happening. Especially within that, like I, I, I was joking with my girlfriend. I said, I was like, well, I was like, this is going to be the future of wrestling in the next 20, 30 years. Like, this is what all wrestling is going to become. I hope not, but I think know. the opposite. I think, I think at a certain point, it's, it's going to go to its, I don't want to say to its roots, but it's sort of going to come back as, as a bare bones thing and we're going to be okay with it. Um, this stuff is great, but like, Think about why it wouldn't work. If, if they would have had the Boneyard match at WrestleMania and WrestleMania had gone on and there wasn't coronavirus and they would have filmed a segment like that, we all would at home think it was cool in the same way. But people would be pissed in the arena because they just watched – they paid to see The Undertaker and they watched a 12-minute video of him. So the the luxury they were afforded by having these constraints built it. And yeah. will they be as patient once they're allowed to be there in person again? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I and I'm not sure if that was even like the initial idea. Um when like when Mania was gonna still happen. Like I don't know if if there would have been an actual match or not. Like maybe this only happened because of Corona. I don't I'm not Very sure. Likely. I'd like to hear I would love to hear like a story uh, like like in you know, probably in, in the next six months they'll do like a twenty four on this whole thing, this whole mania. Like I would love to hear the story behind this shit. I do like that Undertaker actually had to work a full day though. <laughs> he earned his paycheck. Yeah, he's used to those twenty minutes and out gigs. Yeah, he, he had a whole, whole eight hours. Full day. Um, uh, Frank. Oh. Fra- uh, okay, I'm gonna be an asshole right now. How do you pronounce his last name? I don't. I I know how. I I. It's Gaston. Gaston. Gastineau. Gastineau. Okay, I've never Frank said it Gastineau. out loud. Yeah, you can I've, say it. I got you. Yeah, God, there we go. Well, I'm not so gonna, gonna edit. say Gastino. Gastino. I'm not that editing. Hot. I'm not gonna edit that out. No. Uh, I don't know how to edit, so that's fun. Uh, he says, "Send my hellos. I miss working with him." And you, uh, you replied with, "I miss you too." We and had so much fun together. He's a great dude. He's one of my favorite people that I've met, like in wrestling specifically. Oh, I'll say, like from Florida, like there's like a handful of people from Florida that I'm like, hell yeah, these people are great. Obviously, you're yeah. one of them. And uh, he's obviously one of the other ones. He is great. And the thing I love about Mr. Frankie Gastineau, who now is employed by AEW, Mm -hmm. has filled a few roles there, a few different roles. And I won't speak too much on what they are. Um, But has also been refereeing. I saw him on Dark. Uh, Frankie has been with a lot of companies. Frankie has had a lot of bosses. And Frankie has had a lot of people slow him down. And seeing him sort of say, no, I'm going to do what I want for my career and seeing that all work out from him and him not having to compromise anymore because there were times when he compromised because that was what you were supposed to do. And as he sort of opened his third eye to say like, I have a valuable skill. I'm good at my job. I have multiple skills. I'm, I shouldn't be talked down to. I shouldn't be treated in this way just because I like wrestling. I shouldn't, they, that shouldn't give anybody else the power to treat me poorly because I like wrestling so much that I'll let you just treat me poorly. And now he's found his place and found a role where like he's appreciated and it's so awesome because he's a very talented referee, but he's also just a very funny, exciting person to be around. 
He definitely is. He's very he like excited is a, is a is a great way to put it. He's always like he's always like so like hey how's it going like he's and always he's so down. positive. And you come at him and you're like Frankie, I got a dumb idea for this match, and he's like, let's fucking make it happen. He goes, they'll kill me <laughs> online, but I don't care. Hell yeah, <laughs> he's the he's the best. Uh, Alex Olson, freelance legend, uh, freelance and backyard legend, and the backyard discount. legend. I forgot he's double he's the double Hall of Famer. Uh, he asks favorite Nathan for you episode. Oh my god. Okay, so I thought about this, and I can't even break it into episodes. I can only break it into segments. And the <laughs> the number one Nathan for you episode segment, which is so creepy, and I hate even talking about it, which is how I know it's the best one, is when they attempt to sign the children to sports deals <laughs> by guessing with an age uh, an age software to see who would be a great athlete. Their idea, obviously, if you've never watched Nathan for you. Nathan has terrible ideas for your business. His idea in this episode was if we sign a bunch of kids for cheap, maybe one of them will be a pro athlete and we'll have them in a really bad contract where they're still stuck with us when they're famous. He got people to agree to let their children be a part of this. And he got children to agree to use their picture to be age transformed so that he (laughs) can make a determination whether they needed to be signed. It is one of the most ridiculous shows start to finish, but that episode especially of seeing like how gullible parents are to just like, here's this weird man telling you he wants to measure your child to see if they're going to be a good athlete. He's watching the games <laughs> at the local sports fields, just going up to the parents like, I'm watching your boy play ball. He's doing pretty good. You ever thought about getting him sponsored? And they don't question why this weird man is here. They don't question why he has a tape measure out next to the child. It's all bizarre. I have to check like that out. I've never, so I've never bizarre. seen, I've never seen it. Well, Nathan's very good at business. He went to one of Canada's top business schools and got really good grades, and now he's giving back. Hell yeah. Um, Taylor Armstrong, uh, he asks. Uh, actually, first off, shout out to Taylor. He uh, yeah. used to be from Chicago. Uh, actually, he's originally from Boston. Moved to Chicago. Uh, he survived like throat cancer like a couple Holy times. Shit. Uh, he probably, and I say, I know I say this a lot, but probably one of the greatest humans I've ever met, like such an, uh, an amazing, genuine, nice guy and super talented. He's like a musician. He, he edits movies. Like, I think he edited like, cause he moved to California and he was working for like some, I'm, I'm probably telling all lies right now, but and I, he, I think he worked on like one of the Spider-Man movies, like editing the movie and shit like that. Um, but he's also like, well, he he was going to be doing a wrestling show uh, in Atlanta, but it's not happening now because of COVID. But yeah, yeah, uh, great dude. Uh, he used to help out and do video work for freelance and uh, and shooting and stuff. Uh, but he asks, being the freelance legacy champion, what sort of legacy would Effie hope to leave in wrestling? And I guess you kind of answered that a little early. bit. Yeah, but yeah, you're, you like you said, your your legacy is to. Is to kind of bring about uh, this this change. Yeah, uh, and- but I'd say even a little more localized. Like, you know, I want I want my freelance legacy to sort of be like, especially while I was holding the belt or while I was in the ring. That like, if you came into my world, you were coming into my world. Like, you can have your thoughts and your style and everything, but like, if you're coming in with Effie, you know, you're gonna have an Effie match. So that's the legacy. The legacy is like. You're coming into my world. 
Um, You're stuck with me. I'm not stuck with you. That's great, though. I'm I'm happy to be stuck with you, even uh, though we're like on on Skype. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, are we getting into the dark questions? Oh man. Uh, I'm looking right now online. Oh, sorry, my computer like blocked up. I got one on 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 Instagram here. Ah. From DJ Gay Panic. Yes. I love you, DJ Gay Panic. He said he just goes, Effie's past as a crusty punk. <laughs> I was quite crusty and punk for a time. Um, I don't know. You know, it taught me a lot about adaptability. It taught me that I didn't want to sleep in a van with six dudes ever again. It taught me that certain people are sketchy, uh, but not because of the way they look. Um, I don't know. You just sort of like, in that world, I felt like the punky world, the music world, the underground world, the house show world you know, there was sort of just like a raw fun energy that didn't need to be cleaned up and didn't need to be validated. And that sort of gives you a nice fuck you vibe to everybody and everything you do, which is sort of like, I don't care what you're doing. I think what I'm doing is fine. And if you have a problem with it, we're going to fuck your shit up. <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> physically, but like, we're not going to tolerate, you know, what we're your gonna... view of the world is if it doesn't work. And I don't know how to put it. We're going to verbally wonderful. and mentally fuck you up. Yeah, we're going to fuck you up if you can't get down with it. <laughs> Power. Uh, uh, one of my other favorite people, uh, Candy Lee, she asks, uh, ask him who his favorite diva is and why is it Kelly Kelly? Oh, you think I'm really going to pick Kelly Kelly? <laughs> I think this is... I think there's certain things we do about the divas where we're a little dramatic about it, and people will hate me for saying that. Um, I, th you know, who never gets enough credit, and it's because she had her farting gimmick, is Natalia Neidhart. She'll never get enough credit. She's like the, she's always the one that like, um, that they 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 put her out there to like put somebody over, but yeah. she's always like, like. I'm trying to like think of a good way to put this without she she's a good hand, I guess. She's a like, utility player. Yeah, she like, can go out there and have a good match with fucking anybody. Like she's anybody. so she's so well rounded and like she's just like she's she's health relatively healthy all the time. Like she's she's great. I, I love she's her. She's had a long career. Like think of all the women that have come and gone, or just all the wrestlers that have come and gone during her time there. It's. I don't think she'll get enough credit. So I'm going to shout out Natty Neidhart this episode. Hell yeah. Uh, GTK1989 on Twitter asks, the best dog in wrestling, who, or this is in parentheses, who has the best dog and why is it Cranberry? It is. I saw some like, who's the best wrestling dog thing the other day and it doesn't even bother me because like, once you meet Cranberry, you get it. Come here. She's asleep. She's literally asleep right now. No, you don't have to bother her. I love no, her. No, we're not going to bother her. Uh, I don't know. She's fantastic. She's kind. She's calm. She's rowdy. She likes to chew my face. Um, but obviously, we're all a little... We're into our dogs. I like your dog, too, though. That little <laughs> alien dog is so cute. She is... She's something else. Like, she... I, sometimes I feel like she's more cat than dog. Like, Maybe. she's she's a weird... She's a weird little animal. She's always angry too. 
gangly too. I love the arms and legs just being little, so tiny. Yeah, Stevie used to say she had tarantula legs. Oh, and I'm Stevie. like, that's kind of what she has. She does little spider's legs with the little hair sticking off of them. <laughs> um, I always see. I don't think I have any more. Um, oh. Uh, the last question that I have is actually from uh, our good friend Scrump from the PWG cast. Yes. He asks, uh, what do you think happened to Atlantis? The lost city of Atlantis? Yes. Um, all right. Here's what happened. There was a we – are, we're a water-based primate, okay? That's why mm-hmm. we're a little bit different than monkeys and great apes. We're a water-based primate, and that's our, that's our Garden of Eden was the Atlantis and we used to be an underwater species, which is why we're not very hairy. We're a little hairy. So I think we seeing what it was being done between the land primates and the sea primates, we killed the sea primates that were us and thought we could take the land because we were better than it. And we sank our own origins within the oceans of the Mediterranean. Dang. I, I, it's kind of funny that you say that too. Cause like there's like, I, I don't want to say like scientific proof because it's not proof. Yeah. Uh, scientific theory, I guess, that there's um, like in a certain area in like West Africa, close to the Mediterranean there, uh, it's uh, there's like this weird plateau of land that is very like, if, when you look at it from like a satellite view, it looks very like um, carved out in the ground, in the, in the ground and shit. And like people think that like, that what the fuck was this? And a lot of people are speculating that it used to be Atlantis. Um, okay, it's huge too. It's crazy. I'll have to send you a picture of it. It's I want to awesome. see this. I'm into this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There's like all these. I don't know if you've ever heard like the the legend of like Lemuria and stuff like too that too. But I'm into all conspiracies. Let's just let's start it there. <laughs> well, we could do a whole whole another episode. That might be a second episode of just like some weird conspiracies. I do it. That that'll definitely have to happen. Maybe like in the next week or so, we can we can link up again and, and I just let let you just let you go and just talk because I know we got a list. Up. We got yes. a lot, and then there's a lot of interconnectedness. Yes. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna make a list of some stuff. I'll I'll make a I'll, I'll we'll make our lists. We'll compare which ones we want to talk about, and then because I, I want to do actual research because I if it's something that I'm not well versed in and then we could talk about it and then that'll be fucking sweet. Oh, I'm all about the research. <laughs> then we we'll get learn. our we'll get our tin foil hats on and we'll 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 have a good one. Oh, people are going to people are going to really open up once they figure out about the Anunnaki aliens. Yes. Once they understand the pyramid structures, we'll get them there though. Hell yeah. Um well, yeah. I, I mean that's all the questions that I got. Uh uh it was fucking nice to see you it was you. good to, to like to look you. at you it's yeah like been yeah a and i was supposed to see you yesterday and so that's like that's a bummer you know we still made it happen though we're surviving we're gonna get there we'll get back one day stay the fuck home everyone if you've watched this stay the fuck home please god oh that's actually funny here i'll see if this will show over the camera <laughs> somebody on twitter made this and i was like damn i'm gonna i haven't posted it yet but i'm going to Yes. Backwards or? No, it's not backwards at all. Stay home, watch Freelance. Hell yeah. Stay That's... home. But uh, but yeah, any, anything you want to plug before we uh, get out of here? 
Yeah, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees has been wonderful to me. Uh, Pro Wrestling Tees slash Effie Lives. I don't know when this is coming out. Maybe there's a sale, maybe there's not. So buy my shirts. Uh, I'm on Twitch now. I'm a Twitch. Uh, I'm a Twitch fanatic. Love Twitch. We're gonna be streaming all kinds of weird shit on there. Half the time it's AJ being good at video games and me being bad. We played Jackbox party games last night where everybody gets to play. We're gonna be doing some weird interview shows. So twitch.tv slash Effie Lives, check that out. And then uh, I'm Effie Lives everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook sucks. Don't use Facebook. Yeah, Facebook does suck. Give up on Facebook, guys. It's not good. <laughs> Remember when I miss MySpace. I really do. MySpace was tight, and MySpace was competitive, and MySpace was like, there was a lot of secrets going on on MySpace. I was into that. Yeah, and I liked the be- being able to like do the HTML and like create your own page oh, and kind of yeah. like add music to your page. I still get things made into glitter comments every now and then. <laughs> it's just it's a feel. That's pretty. That's pretty good. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I will talk to you soon. It was great talking yes. to you, man. You be safe. Stay safe. Uh, and give Cranberry a big hug for me. Hey, let me know how many of those Effie shirts are going out this week because the orders have been off the damn hook. Dude, we've been doing pretty good. Like uh, at least at work, staying busy and yeah. Uh, yeah, and like it's funny because like I I talk about you a lot at work. I talk about like a lot of the guys that like are on the freelance shows. Uh, some of my coworkers are wrestling fans and they don't, yeah. but they don't know a lot of the indie guys. They know like the NXT and AEW guys. Uh, and then they're just like, who's this like, who's this Effie guy? And who's this, who's this Danhausen guy? And why are they selling so many shirts? I was like, because they're fucking awesome. And they're like, and they're, they're great. They're great characters. They're great people. And, and people are finally like taking notice. And yeah, I tweeted my awesome. nudes the other day and that really sold some shirts. The Tiger King fucking edit that somebody did on your oh tat- on the tattoo the, on the belly. Owned by Joe Exotic over my I, I lost my shit. I thought that was the funniest thing. That was it, great. It deserved it. It deserved it. That's what this. Uh, that's what our meme culture needed. I feel like that could be a shirt. Not like the Tiger King one, but like just you standing there with the fucking text box, this and then a- the text box is just like a, a the the URL to your fucking merch store or something. The, Sell that on a white shirt, like people. The worst thing I can say to end this while I'm promoting myself is sometimes I have to remember that just because I won't wear it doesn't mean someone won't. It's true. Oh man! Oh, man. All right, dude, I will talk to you soon. Yeah, I had a blast. <laughs>